0: Good morning. It's good to see all of you guys here this morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, uh, my name is Brian and I'm, I'm the teaching pastor here and I have the privilege today of uh, kind of finishing out this, this journey that we've been on for the last few weeks uh, called For the One. But here's the great news, we're not really finishing out a journey because For the One is our theme for this year. If, if you've been hanging out with Fusion... Uh, any amount of time you know that, that we kind of pick a, a focus for the year and we make that a resounding and recurring idea that shows up in, in messages and it shows up in, in in publications and stuff that we put out. So this year we said that we want to be a church that, that loves like Christ loves because we believe that, that in the same way that he came after us when we were, were lost and on our own and kind of like Pastor Jonah talked about when we once were far from him. That he came after us, and in the same way that he came after us, he wants to come after and go after all those that don't yet know him. And he has invited us, the church, his followers, to participate with him in that, that we get the the privilege and the honor of serving along Christ to bring people to the Father. And so this is the year, this year and every other year, but this year specifically, that we're going to focus on being for the one, because we believe that that is what is the mark of, of our followership of Christ. We, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We looked at the, the new of the new covenant. We said that when Jesus came and instituted this new thing, that when Jesus came on the scene, that he brought something with him that was new. Nobody had ever heard him, heard someone talk or teach like this, that it was new. And the thing that was new about what he taught was that the followers of God and those who love God would no longer be known by the rules that they followed and the laws that they kept. But that they would be known by how they loved people in the same way that Christ had loved them. And for all of us who have a relationship with Christ, we know this. We know what it feels like to be sought after, to be loved by God. So much, in fact, that he would give the very life of his son. That if we would place our trust in believing that God would do that for us. That he would no longer count our sin against us, but count us as righteous. Meaning that in our newfound righteousness through Christ. That we can once again be in a relationship with a God who was holy and perfect. And and he would no longer count our sin, but to see Christ's righteousness as ours. So that we could be in a relationship with a God who is righteous. And that's great news. He loved us enough to do that. And then when Jesus showed up, he said, here's what you got to do. If you want to be my followers, if you want to be known by the world as one of my disciples, one of my followers, here's what you got to do. You got to love people. In the same way that I've loved you, that is the new of the new covenant. And then we we read that together in in John chapter thirteen. That's when that's when that showed up. Jesus is getting ready to be led away. To he's going to be arrested. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be resurrected. And before he did all that, that's when he gave us this first glimpse of the new of the new covenant. But then he repeats himself just a couple of chapters later. And y'all got to know that there's there's limited space. In the Bible, as a matter of fact, the, the, um, the Apostle John said that there was so much that Jesus did and said that, that there's not even enough room to write it all down that he did so much. So if something is repeated in Scripture, that means that it's probably a pretty big deal. So Jesus, in, chap- in John chapter 13, got his 12 apostles gathered around. He says, hey... If you're going to be my disciples, the world is going to know that you're my disciples by how you love one another in the same way that I have loved you. And then two chapters later, because the apostles were a little bit dense sometimes, he repeats himself to make sure that they heard him. John wrote it down a second time, and this is what he recorded for us. John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. Jesus again says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have, heard, have loved you. If you didn't hear me the first time, I want you to love others as I have loved you. And then he goes on to define for us what love is. You ready? Watch this. He says this, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So we've already talked about the command, but today I want to talk about this, this added explanation, this, this defining characteristic that Jesus gives to this topic of how to love others as he has loved us. You see, I believe that especially in our American culture, we've been inundated with this idea that love is something that we feel. And Jesus came and said, no, 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 no. Love is not something that you feel. Love is something that you do. There's an activeness to it. There's an activity to loving people. And in fact, Jesus said, there's no greater love than for a man to lay down his life for his friends. So here's the principle that I want to draw out of that. And then I'll spend some time uh, explaining it for the rest of our time together this morning. Here's, Here's the big idea. If you want to write this down, you can put this in your notes. Love will always cost you something. Love will always cost you. See, because love is putting someone else before yourself. And there's no way for you to put someone else before you and still receive or retain all that you would have had you not put them ahead of you. Let let me see if I can illustrate it. Um, How many of you are married? Show of hands, married people. All right, good. All right, keep your hands up for a minute. Now, if you remember at your wedding, how many people had the scripture either read at your wedding or worked through in your premarriage counseling? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. How many of you, if you remember? All right, so about 50%. I would, oh, you can put your hands down. I would be willing to wager that um, the number might be a little bit higher. I, I, it's not really a fair question anyway, because I asked the question, and I was thinking about the question when I, when I planned to ask the question. I have no idea what the pastor read at my wedding. I have absolutely no clue whatsoever. My, they opened the doors at the back of the church, and my wife stepped through the doors, and I blacked out. Like, I think she was so beautiful, and then she walked down, and... He did the ceremony, and I, I couldn't tell you a thing in the world that was said at my wedding. I was concentrated on her trying not to pass out and trying not to get snot on my Marine Corps dress blues. Um, now, we, there is a video on, on VHS, by the way, because I turned 40 this year. Uh, there's a video of the wedding that may or may not depict me wiping my nose and then grabbing her hands. It may or may not happen Luckily, VCRs are becoming obsolete, so the, the footage is almost uh, irrelevant now. Um, but here's why 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is so powerful and, and, and why so many people talk about it at weddings. and why so many pastors like me walk couples through it when they're going through pre- pre-marriage counseling or it's read at weddings. Because 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is kind of historically known as the love Chapter. It's a definition of what love looks like. I know you've probably all heard it because we've all been to a wedding or two. But but if you permit me, can I just read a few verses from First Corinthians 13? You have to permit me because I have the microphone and you don't, and I'm going to do it. Um, so First Corinthians chapter 13, verses four through seven. It says this. It says, "Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude." Does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Truth, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. All the married people say it together. Aww, doesn't that sound just like your marriages? Never irritable, not resentful, patient, and kind, right? Does not boast. But here's the thing. Love always costs you something. Did did you catch the list? Does does it cost you something to be patient? Oh, yeah. Does it cost you something to not be resentful, to not boast? Hey, men, men, just to to the married men for just a minute. Y'all remember that one time when you were right? You remember that one time it happened? And you did some peacocking, started strutting around the house? (laughs) Yeah, I was right. And you boasted. You remember that? Remember how well that went for you? See, Paul Paul said that love doesn't boast. It's not resentful. It's not irritable. It doesn't insist on its own way. That's love. That, that's what it looks like to love. And love in every context will always cost you something. Can I tell you what feels good? I got a little bit of a short fuse. I, I, I have a temper. You know what feels good? Being angry. It feels good to be angry. You frustrate me, do something. Are you wrong me. It feels good to be mad for me. Maybe not for you. My confession, confessions of a pastor, this feels good for me to get angry. feels good. I like it. You know, it feels good to boast when I'm right and they were wrong. It feels good to harbor some resentment when I feel like a wrong has been done to me. Those things feel good and they're natural. You can't even help it. It's the way you were born. You know what feels better? It feels better to be wronged and maintain restraint when it pertains to somebody that I love. It feels better to be right and be humble. It feels better and it's more loving to have something done wrong or, or, or perceive a wrong, but not harbor resentfulness. And do you know why? Because love always considers the other person and it feels better to show them love Than it does for all of the feelings that I would have gotten to enjoy had I lost my temper, harbored that resentfulness, remained irritable, and all those other things. It feels good to love somebody. And here's the thing. When I sit down in my chair at night, because I got my chair. It's mine. Like, this is my spot. And after everybody else goes to bed, this is where I hang out. And I have my little Jesus time. I reflect on my day. And I feel so much better about restraint than I do about losing my temper. When I sit down and I reflect on how much I modeled the love of Christ to my family and to the people that I interact with during that day, when I sit down in my chair at night, it feels so much better to know that I loved people well by being patient and kind and not resentful and not boastful. Then it feels a whole lot better to do that than to sit down and have to repent (laughs) For all the times that I lost my temper, flew off the handle, said something derogatory, was sarcastic when I should have been loving. like It it feels good to love people. It's better. It's a better way. And that is why Paul gives us this definition of what it looks like to love. But all of those things, it takes effort on my part to be patient. It takes effort on my part. It costs me mental capacity to be forgiving. Love always costs something. And that's why we do it. Because it feels so much better to love others than it is to sit down at the end of the day and realize that we didn't look a whole lot like Christ. And you'll never feel more like God designed you to feel than when you love in the way that he loves. Because you were created in the image of a God who is love. You'll never feel more like you're supposed to than when you love like God loves. That's why love can't be done out of begrudging submission or obligation or some sense of duty. You can't love someone well because you were told to. You can't love someone well because there was a rule that you're following that tells you how to love well. Now, love is given freely. It's given joyfully because you much more desire the feeling of knowing that you've loved someone well than the feeling that you would have had by losing your temper or doing all the other things that Paul tells us not to do. Love has to be freely given in order for it to be love. It can't be done out of obligation or some misguided sense of duty. You'll never experience the level of compassion and empathy or concern for someone else that God wants you to experience, then when you're good for someone else costs you something. Love always costs. There's always a cost. And the more selfless the act, the more of yourself that you give away in love of someone else, the more selfless the act, the greater the sacrifice, the more loved the other one knows that they are. That was Jesus' point. That's the point that Jesus was making when he said, no greater love. Jesus said, this is the best. This is the greatest. This is the most extravagant that it could ever be. The greatest love you will ever know is that someone will lay down his life for another. The most extravagant thing you can give is your life. That makes it the greatest act Of love. In other words, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the love. That's why we celebrate our heroes and the armed forces and the police and the emergency personnel who put their lives on the line. Because no greater love has a man than this that he would put his life on the line for another. They would give sometimes their life for another. That's why they are and should be celebrated. So all of that, to tell you this, if I had one prayer for each of you in 2019, this would be it, I pray that you would experience a bold act of love that costs you something. Because you'll never experience what it feels like to be closer to God than through a bold act of love that costs you something. Love always costs. And here's the principle that Jesus set out for us, that the greater the sacrifice, the more that it hurts, for lack of a better term, sacrifice, hurt, that the greater the sacrifice, the greater the impact, the more loved, The other person will feel we're never more like Christ than when we give something away so that someone else could benefit from it. When we decided to to make the theme for this year, For the One, here, here was my prayer. God. Here's what I want for every person that calls Fusion City Church home, that this idea of for the one would so resonate in their soul on a day-to-day basis, that as you walk through your life in this year, that you will be looking for any and every opportunity to give of yourself because of your love for somebody else. That, that's been my prayer since, day, since we came up with it. still my prayer today that each one of us would experience what it feels like Multiple times this year to give of ourselves for the benefit of somebody else. Because you're never more like Christ than when you give a part of yourself away for the benefit of someone else. You heard Pastor Quinton say that we talk a lot here about what it means to be generous. To be a generous people. The giving of ourselves for the betterment of somebody else because you're never more like Christ. And when you give a part of yourself away for the good of somebody else. So can I just give you three very practical ways that this plays out? I call these uh, the three T's of generosity. See how that works? Maybe it's four T's. I don't know. I thought it was funny. The three T's, the three ways that you and I can give of ourselves for the betterment of somebody else because we want to be more like Christ in how we love. The first, or the three are, I'm sorry, excuse me, the three, time, and give of your time, your talent, and your treasure—the three T's. Here's how time works. Um, there's a group of uh, a group of us here at the church, uh, families, friends um, that we all help each other move from time to time. Y'all know that moving is horrible, right? There's nothing more stressful and less enjoyable than moving. Um, my wife and I just built a house last year and moved in, and I hate moving. like There's just nothing fun uh, about moving. Several weeks ago, a friend of mine here in the church sent out a message to this group of us that all help each other move. And there have been many occasions. And uh, he asked for, for some help moving, That's because that's what the, yeah, you get it. So uh, he sent the text. It was a Sunday afternoon, and I was sitting there with my wife, and I said, hey, I just got this text. And he'll remain nameless because I don't want to out him or myself <laughs> for, for not wanting to go. And I looked at her and I said, hey, I just got detected. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Football's on. Panthers are playing. I'm tired. My wrist hurts. My knee hurts. I'm old. Like, I'm tired. I don't want to go. And then she said, well, then don't go. It's a good, loving wife response, right? She's leading me like Jesus. Like, hey, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, don't go if you don't want to go. And I said, yeah, I don't want to go. I'm not going to go. She goes, okay, well, good. I didn't want you to go. I was like, all right, good. Well, I'm not going to go. And then I sat in my chair. And y'all, y'all you know how Jesus just creep up the back of your neck a little bit and grab hold of you? Like I sat there, and the longer I sat there, the worse, <laughs> the worse I felt. Because that guy helped me move. He sh- I felt love when he went, when he helped me move. So maybe I went, maybe I, maybe I loved him out of obligation. I don't know. I just told you we're not supposed to do it like that. Maybe I did it out of obligation, but I don't regret it. I, I I then went and helped him move. I gave of, of my time. I gave him my time. I didn't do anything special. I just showed up and moved boxes. But but I gave of my time because, because I love that brother, and I know that he loves me because he came and helped me move. And you know what probably happened? I probably sent out that text and said, "Hey, I'm moving on Friday." And he probably looked at his wife and said, "I don't want to go," but I love Brian, so I'm going to go. And he sent me that text. And I looked at my wife and I said, "I don't want to go." And she said. You don't have to. And I said, yeah, I do, because I love them. If you want to make somebody feel loved, you can, man, you can give them your time. Just give them your time. Not, and maybe not just helping them do stuff, but man, just spending time. Be with somebody that's lonelier that, that could use a little bit of extra of your time. You can love them well by giving of your time. The second thing you can give away is your talent. If you've got some stuff that you can do that other people can't do, you can give of your talent. I told you, we just, we just built a house. And I agreed to do a lot of that stuff on my own because I was trying to save some money. Then I realized I can't do any of this stuff on my own. I'm not smart enough. So I had to, I had to call in some favors to friends that came over, and they leveraged their talents to help me finish building the house. And, and several of them, several of them, I, I offered to pay. I said, hey, man, that was a tremendous amount of work. Please let me give you something. And, and they wouldn't take any money for it. They, they gave of their talents. And I can't tell you how loved I felt. To know to that somebody came over just because they loved me. And, and they gave up their talent and their time. And the, man, they gave it all. They gave their time their talent and gave up making money to come and make me feel loved. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate your brother. He was one. There's a lot of them. You can give of your talent. And, and the third way, the third T. And give of your treasure. Now, come on, all all of us know this, and this is true. That you can make people feel loved by how you spend your money. Did you know it? If you didn't know, now you know. How you spend and where you spend your money can be used to make people feel loved. Those are the three T's of generosity. Generosity. Now, follow me in this, because I'm going to walk you through an equation. For those of you that have been hanging out with us for a while, you know I love math. I'm not great at it, but I like it because it makes sense to me. So here's, here's the equation. If love for others is how we will know ourselves that we love God, and it's how the world will know that we love God, and if love always costs you something, the three T's, and the greater the sacrifice, the greater the love that is expressed and felt, then my prayer for you in 2019 is that you would experience bold acts of love that cost you something so that you will know, so that the world will know that you belong to Christ. That's, that's my equation. That's how, I, that's how it works in my head. If I want to know that I'm a follower of Christ, and, he, and Jesus said that this is how you'll know, that if you love others the same way that I have loved you, and that love always costs you something, and the greater the sacrifice, the greater the love, then here's what I want for my life and for your life, that in 2019 that each of us would experience bold acts of love that cost us something, because that's how you'll know, and that's how the world will know that you love Christ, when you love as he Has loved you. Now I I believe that it's the responsibility of, of the church, not just this church, but all churches. I believe that it's the responsibility of the church to provide to the people who call that church home opportunities to do the very things that Christ said would be the marker for how we are identified as his followers. So when we talk about giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure, we've tried the best that we can to provide as many opportunities and outlets for you to be able to do those things here at Fusion City Church. We could use your time, we can use your talents, and we can use your treasure. Now, there are opportunities here for you to be able to give of those things for the good of others. But today, specifically, I want to make you aware of a pretty unique opportunity that's on the, the horizon for... Our church, a few months ago, we, we told you guys that, um, that this is home for us now, that the YMCA is going to be our place where we do church for as far into the future as we are able to know and to see, that this is the place that we're going to call home forever as far as we know. And the YMCA has welcomed us in. They've done a lot of things to be able to, to, to make us feel at home. They've given us extra space. They're going to give us office space here in own location to be And We told you guys all of that stuff. So what we have decided to do as a church, because this is going to be home for us, is we would like... to to raise a substantial amount of money to be able to make improvements to how we do church here, to be able to invest back into the YMCA, to be able to invest into the community here where we're calling home now as Fusion City Church. Let me tell you a a couple of things that we'd we'd like to be able to do. Um, We want to show the YMCA that we love them as much as they have loved us. They've given us uh, an office space that's going to be here at the end of 2019. They've allowed us additional closet space here. And they've just shown us a tremendous amount of hospitality. And do you know what? All of that cost them. They gave up space in their facilities so that Fusion City Church would feel at home here. They've loved us well. We want to love them well in in return by updating some of the paint in here. Y'all have seen the yellow in here, right? Not the most attractive thing. And we, we want to paint the walls here and over in the kids' area. We want to be able to do some improvements over there. We want to improve the, the facility here as far as lighting and some of our sound equipment so that our experiences here on Sunday morning are, are more barrier-free and distraction-free. We're trying to create some environments here by um, upgrading our, our lighting, our screen. We want to, there's a lot of stuff that we want to do here to make the experience more enjoyable for those that are going to walk through the doors here. Um, our volunteers, come on, y'all. If y'all don't, if y'all don't know how, what, how important our volunteers are to what we do as Fusion City Church, just look around at all of the things that get set up week in and week out so that we can come in here, worship God in an environment that's comfortable and exciting and free. Our volunteers make that happen on a weekly basis. And so a lot of the improvements that we'd like to make through the Four One campaign is to be able to make our setup here easier and more enjoyable. So it's not only going to create a more comfortable environment here, but it's going to reduce the amount of workload on the amazing volunteers that come and serve here week in and week out. We want to do all of that, though. Because the most important reason that we're here Is because God designed the local church to be to be the vehicle through which the gospel is proclaimed to the community. Not only are, are we going through or do we want to make some, some major upgrades and renovations, but the YMCA is doing the same thing at the same time. They're going to raise a whole lot more money and do a whole lot more to this facility than we are. But they're doing that because they love this community and want to serve this community. And we have an opportunity to partner with them in their capital campaign to be able to make some improvements here. So we're going to partner along with the YMCA to, in, to upgrade and increase the functionality of this space so that the community benefits we have a unique opportunity set before us to do some amazing things. But the main reason that we do any of this is because we want to love those well who don't yet know how loved they are by Christ. You know, the, the vision that, that I and the other pastors have for, for Fusion City Church is that this outlasts us. Uh, I turned 40 this year, later this year. I'm not there yet. Don't don't start with the jokes yet. But I can already feel it. I'm getting older. And and as I approach the hill, I'm already thinking about what comes next. This this is year number five. We're coming into year number five for our church. We'll we'll turn five years old in, in July of 2019, Fusion City Church will. We have before us right now the opportunity to lay the foundation for what this church will look like, I hope, for decades to come. Long after myself, Pastor Jonah, he'll, he'll, he'll leave a decade after me because he's about a decade younger than me. But um, after Pastor Jonah and myself and Pastor Quentin, man, after we're gone. I want the foundations that we lay and set right now to to be the, 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 the pinnacles and the principles on which this church exists and ministers to this community for decades and decades and decades to come. And I want us to always be known from now and as far into the future as God will let this thing remain as a church that gives back to the community because they desire to see the lives of for the one, that one changed. And I pray that we'll continue to always make the decisions to spend the money to do the things that are necessary to improve environments so that they become more distraction-free, so that people feel more engaged. Because in doing so, we create opportunities for them to experience the same love that Jesus had for us and then told us to go and have for others. That's why we do what we're doing. That's why we're starting this campaign to raise money, to make some changes so that we can do some things here to better reach and minister to the community in which God has placed us. Because we don't want this thing to be a, a shot in the pan thing. I don't want it to die with me. I want it to go on and on and on for, for generations to come. This is a generational thing, but, but we have the opportunity right now to set the pace for that, to, to, to see and determine what that's going to look like for all those coming after us. Um, I was talking to, to some friends of mine, uh, Danny and, and Tasca over here. They got a grandson, Carter, and uh, Car- Carter doesn't like to go to our children's ministry, and that's okay. But he stays in here because he likes to listen to me preach. I ain't figured that part out yet. But but Taska was telling me that when they go home, that Carter repreaches my sermons out in the barn there next to their field. Uh, to the cows and, and the chickens and anybody, anybody that listen. He's out there, man, just preaching up a storm. I thought that was so cool. And so I went to their house not some months ago now, and I looked at Carter and said, Carter, here's my hope. Buddy, one day when I'm no longer the teacher, pa- teaching pastor at Fusion City Church, I want you to be the guy that steps in and becomes the teaching pastor at Fusion City Church. I think you're already gearing up for it now. I think God's going to do some great things through that kid. And if y'all think I'm funny, man, y'all got to meet Carter. We were hanging out with Carter Friday night, and he had a bow tie on. And I said, hey, Carter, man, I like that bow tie, dude. That's pretty rad. He said, I am not rad. I am country. <laughs> that, that's, your next, that's your next Fusion City Church teaching pastor right there. Y'all got a lot to look forward to. I'm, I'm excited about what's to come for this church. I'm excited about our partnership with the YMCA. I'm excited that we're partnering with an institution that so desperately wants to make a positive impact on the community and that we get to be a part of doing that alongside of them and with them for the glory of God, for the good of the kingdom, for the spread of the gospel. And so we we don't have, I don't have a bunch of numbers to give you for this campaign. We haven't set goals. We're not talking numbers today, but here's, here's what I do want to ask you for. Is that if we are, always looking for opportunities to participate in a bold act of love that costs us something. Here's an opportunity. Would you pray about and consider committing with myself, my family, Pastor Jonah, Pastor Quentin, and their families in this church to being part of what God is going to do in this place for generations to come, starting, or continuing, I guess, rather, with this For the One campaign. All we're asking you to do is to pray about your commitment, or to commit to praying, rather. Excuse me. I'm going flip that. We're asking you to commit to pray about what God would have you do to be part of this campaign, because we have an opportunity to set the pace for years to come. I heard a quote this week that I thought was really, really good and really applicable to, to us here. And it said this: it said, Let the one who drinks the water remember the one who dug the well. When we talked about partnering here at the YMCA permanently, the well was the illustration that we chose to use. That this this place is our well. This place is our opportunity to create a community-rich environment for people to come and to experience God. This is our well. My hope is that we'll dig that well deep so that it supplies and and nourishes those for years and years and years to come. And I pray that they'll always remember those of us that dug the well, those of us that laid the foundation, that laid the groundwork for years to come. So here's what we're going to ask you to do. We're going to ask you to commit before we talk numbers, before we set goals, before we do any of that stuff, would you just pray about what God would have you do, as it pertains to the opportunity before you in the For the One campaign. Listen, it's just an opportunity. I'm not going to track you down. I'm not going to chase you down. I'm not going to hunt you. I'm not going to badger you. We're going to continue to keep it in front of you because we want to continue to keep the opportunity in front of you. But here's why. Because it is an opportunity to participate in a bold act of love that costs you something. And so here's how we'd like to... to, we, we to, We do want to keep track, though, of who has committed... So we've put a link on our website. If you're following along with us on UVersion today, all the way at the bottom of the UVersion um, event for today is a link that you can click. And all you have to do is put in your, uh, your email address and your name. We've also, it's on our mobile version. So here's a real short video. Here's how you, you click on the three lines in the top right corner. Click on For the One. You'll see a screen that looks like this on your phone. It says, I commit to praying about my participation in the For the One campaign. All we need from you is your email address and your name. Would you commit with me and with my family to praying? Would you commit to pray? God, today we were made aware of an opportunity that we have to participate in a campaign that we agree with Pastor Brian and with the other, Pastor Jonah and Pastor Quentin, that this could be something very beneficial for the future of our church. God, would you, that, that's the opportunity that's before me. God, would you lead me how you would have me to follow. Would you commit to pray with us about your involvement in the For the One campaign? I believe it's going to be a great venture. I, I can't wait to show you guys some of the plans that we have and some of the things that we want to do. I think it's going to be a fantastic upgrade to what we're already doing here, not just physically but spiritually. We're going to create better environments for people to meet and experience, to see, hear, and respond to the gospel. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we consider this this opportunity ahead of us, God, to invest into your kingdom believing, God, that better days are ahead, more lives will be impacted and changed by the gospel through the ministry of Fusion City Church. God, I pray that you give us a spirit of boldness as we enter into this season. Father, as we reflect on the one, each life that will be changed by the gospel, And, God, though we know you don't need paint or speakers or lights to change lives, God, we do want to do as much as we can to create an atmosphere that's engaging, that's worshipful, that draws people in so that, Father, they might have an opportunity to respond to your love for them demonstrated by those that call Fusion City Church home. A church committed to loving others in the same way that you've loved them. God, would you, God, we're asking that you'd send us some people. Not because we want to fill this place up. Not because we're looking to pat ourselves on the back and talk about how many people show up. God, you know that's not the heart of our staff. You know we don't care. It's not about the numbers, but God, it's about that one. And Father, we'd love to see them walk through the door so that we could show them your love because of how greatly we've been impacted by the love you've shown to us. And God, as we look forward to this next step of making this place more home for us, God, would you help us? Would you give us bold spirits and generous hearts that, Father, we might stay right in step with where you'd have us to be, God, not ahead or behind, but doing exactly that which you've called us to. And, Father, we, we firmly believe that we've heard from you that this is what you would have us to do. And so, Father, we ask now that you would lead us through it, As we as a church this week or today put our name down as committing to pray, God, I pray that that would not just be a a, a click on a page, but God, a promise that we make to search our own hearts for your leading and your guidance as we consider the opportunity to partner with this church in this campaign for the good of your name, for the betterment of your kingdom. We love you, Father. We thank you for who you are, for how you love. God, now would you lead us to respond well that others might know how much you love them by how much you've loved us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.